Hey guys, before we start the episode, I just wanted to give a quick heads up that this um, movie will be talking about some sexual assault and uh, murdery. I mean, I feel like murdery is pretty given given horror movies. I don't know, just looking at me trying to stumble my way through this disclaimer. You had it. You were good. Then, oh. you, then you fell. Yeah, I did. That's okay. Okay. But yeah, some some slight essay talk yeah nothing is shown this is a podcast the movie shows nothing (laughs) (laughs) the movie doesn't show any sexual assault fire us fire us (laughs) we're not allowed to have the podcast anymore okay sponsor us please Uh, enjoy the podcast bye And welcome back to Partners in Fright. My name is Devin. And I'm the beautiful co-host, Joe. He is very beautiful. Yep. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with my pick this week. And I'm going with a movie called Possum, which you can find on Shudder. It's just under an hour and a half. Um, it was made in 2018. Before we get too far into it, I wanted to try uh, a little something here. I'm going to give you guys just one little quick or fun fact. And I think I'll just do one like per episode just to kind of break the ice and get into everything. Cool. Is that okay? All right, cool. I'm running this by Devin for the first time and she's giving me I, okay eyes. Yeah, so. This is like when people propose in a public place and then they feel pressure to say yes so i propose to you in a public place okay i feel like (laughs) (laughs) okay let me justify this (laughs) six what wait hang on uh that was 2015 so uh eight years later Mm -hmm. i rescind (laughs) (laughs) no i feel like that was a little bit different because we already had our wedding like booked when you proposed i had my dress yeah we did ours a little backwards but okay i'm sorry yes fun fact on the board all right (laughs) so uh this week's fun fact is count orlock only blinks once in nosferatu in the nine minutes of screen time max shrek has uh, as Count Orlock, he blinks one time. Now, one of my things is eyes in movies. That's the kind of that's the one thing that really freaks me out. Anything that stares at you and breaks the fourth wall and whatnot. I think this might have been the movie that started that, because uh, there's that famous shot of him at the at the banister and he's just staring into the like the camera pretty much. And I don't know if it's just the old grain, grainy film or the makeup or whatever, but I, that image is forever burned into my brain. Hmm. And it just, I don't know, it's cool. It's a fun little thing. When did you watch that? Oh, man, I, I know I watched it, I believe, uh, when I was in middle school. And then I watched it again, I think, later on in high school. I've never seen it. 
it's it's cool. It's I I really enjoy it. It you can definitely know where its roots grew to and affected other movies down the line. Right. Sort of like how people say, you know, the the Beatles set the blueprint for like a shit ton of bands. Yeah, like so many people drew inspiration yeah. from it. Yeah. And Robert Eggers, who did The Witch and The Lighthouse, he's going to be making a, I don't know if it's a reboot or like a remake or what, but he's going to be making a Nosferatu movie, which I'm very excited for. Very cool. Cool. All right. Fun fact. Uh, I also wanted to dig into a little something else. This okay. I feel like this episode format might be like a little bit strange because... For me, Possum was a weird movie where I feel like nothing really happened until the very end. <laughs> so I also like don't want to bore everybody by just saying like he went to this place and then he went to this place and then he went back to that other place, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so we had date night the other night, which was great. We have two kids two and four so highly recommend dates (laughs) in that scenario um and uh somebody recommended to you that we talk a little bit about our date night since it was kind of special yeah if any or if you're listening cb jones special shout out to you that's a great idea i'm also reading his book rules of the road by the way i highly recommend it very good shout out a little plug there So I think we've mentioned it on the podcast before that our first date was to see Mama Mm -hmm. and we have the ticket framed and it's, I think it's boxed away at the moment. Yeah. But I don't know what year that was. That must've been 2013. I think so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we saw it at, um, this movie theater near us. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that movie theater was like, that was where I saw When a Stranger Calls. That was like, that was my childhood movie theater. That was where I had my first date ever, like, Mm -hmm. let alone my first date with Joe. Right. Holds a lot of memories, a lot of nostalgia factor. And we recently found out that it was closing. And obviously we are a movie podcast. So I'm sure that people listening, you guys must love going to the movies like that movie experience and it was very sad to see it close i mean it was a giant chain uh it's regal i'm like that's no secret Mm -hmm. it's not like it's anything like amazing on the inside or anything i mean it looks like every (laughs) other regal that you go to but it's just filled with so many memories and yeah yeah it's like going to a mall your whole life and slowly year by year it sees less and less people and starts deteriorating and shops start closing and you know right around the corner it's it's gonna have its final day so yeah we decided to end on a on a high note and go see a one last horror movie there yeah so we figured i mean when we started out our relationship with a horror movie so we might mm-hmm. as well end out that theater's reign with a <laughs> horror movie and we were very in between megan and infinity pool but we went with Infinity Pool. Yeah. Fucking bizarre, man. <laughs> like, we're, we're not going to go super into it because that's not what this episode is about. Um, yeah, I feel like we can talk about it a little bit. It's a very trippy, mind-bending movie. 
So it stars Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth. Um, a writer and his wife go to a retreat where he's trying to, I guess, get inspiration or reignite his love for writing. And he meets Mia Goth, a huge fan of his. And I'll just say an accident happens and he gets intertwined and entangled with a club <laughs> on this basically on this island that has weird laws i'll just say i don't want to spoil anything but i knew this was going to be super weird and really trippy going into it because like i was telling devin david cronenberg who made the fly with jeff goldblum his son is the director of this movie and you can definitely see homage and inspiration from from this just from the audio to the cinematography the lighting and the editing it was like one moment you're on this like nice calm like beach resort and in the next you're in this like weird fever dream edm rave and you're not sure what the hell's going on yeah it was very trippy Mm -hmm. i think that's the best way to describe it was that there were just like scenes of like it felt like 60s psychedelic music video montages almost yeah there i was telling devin um it's kind of like a mixture between like jacob's ladder and there's a movie on netflix called the void uh and also on netflix as well is guillermo del toro's cabinet of curiosities uh one of the episodes towards the end it's like a, a 70s funky episode it has like a 70s grainy filter on it and that gets really trippy they there's like a space rock that's involved if you've seen that it has the the same vibes as that episode as well yeah it was a very strange movie (laughs) i still don't know how i feel about it honestly yeah like it was cut out so neatly into parts i feel like Mm -hmm. like the axe felt very separate yeah very but not in like a barbarian way because like that's what i said about barbarian where it was like oh like the tones shift from like act one to act two was like so dramatic but this bounces back and forth it's very like segmented i don't know it was like very genre bending yeah yeah i don't know (laughs) it was strange but i don't even know i would say if if you want something if you want something different then then give this one a shot i wouldn't say it's it's bad at all i'm okay not seeing it yeah again throw out a rating um uh, i would probably say yes i'd say a six out of ten okay yeah i was gonna go five out of ten and that's be that's just being gracious i love alexander skarsgård too uh, yeah yeah and i this is the first thing i've seen mia goth in because we have yet to seen x or pearl which that's been on our list for a while it feels like sacrilege to say because <laughs> i know that everybody loves those yeah and I, i'm very excited to watch them after seeing her in this oh yeah definitely she's amazing in that movie like a very possessive ex so yeah if you want something different go check out infinity pool do you have any uh closing thoughts on the theater pun intended since it's closing mm-hmm. do you have a favorite memory or like i know that since we've seen so many movies yeah, and I mean, like, you didn't really have the same length of experience, I feel like. Yeah. Um, since you moved up here during high school, but. 
I will always remember our our first official movie date there with Mama. Uh, so many teenagers. Yeah, so many teenagers. I was very excited about it because I actually saw the short. I knew of the short before the movie came out. Yeah, you had showed it to me on YouTube. And I, I, to this day, I still enjoy the short a hell of a lot more. Um, I will also remember. I think my first time going to that theater, I walked down the highway that the that the movie theater is on, and it's a really really busy highway, and it was like winter time. I'm shaking my head. This sounds so much like Joe. I, well, I I know I met um a guy at school and we made plans to go like see the movie and I didn't know where the theater was in relation to where I was living in the center of town and it turns out you walk <laughs> you walk down a highway in in the winter and it was right after school and I had my backpack and I got harassed by the theater manager. So I had to leave my backpack in the office. Oh my gosh. And then I had to go pick it up after. Um, and then I would say my other fond memory is uh, a, whole, a big group of us went there to go see Pandorum with Dennis Quaid and Ben, uh, ben Foster. That was the first day that I met you officially. Okay. Yeah. We had theater class before that. Right. Yeah, that was cool. I I love and hate the big group movie theater vibe because Devin knows like when we go to the theater, you don't talk, <laughs> especially if it's like a Marvel movie. You wait till the end credits and after the button scene at the end, and then we save our talking for after the movie. But when you're with a group of people or most people, you know, they like shit around and talk during a movie and make <laughs> comments. I have to sit in silence and watch it i'm laughing because when joe and i first like really started hanging out it was because i was dating his best friend mm -hmm. um so we, before that we had met in theater class so we knew of each other we yeah. had had class together he was in a grade above me um and then i started dating his friend and we would all hang out like as a group of friends so mm -hmm. I met Joe at a like fast food Mexican place. Like everybody met up together before we went to go see Pandorum. Yeah. And I recall you making like a snide comment, not so much as snide, but like funny, like side handed comment about us playing tonsil hockey during a movie. <laughs> and I know that you, deep down that is because you didn't want anybody to be talking or like <laughs> you didn't want any distractions during the movie. Well, yeah, I um I went on a a date to that movie theater with someone else and I mean it's a dark room and high schoolers there there's gonna be, you know, making out and whatever this person was initiating something and I essentially said, no, <laughs> I want to watch the movie. I want to watch the movie. Clearly that relationship didn't, didn't last, but yeah, a, a bunch of, a bunch of memories, mostly, mostly great memories there, even for like a, a dumpy little theater that had two concession stands that only ever used one. Oh I God, always yeah. thought that was a waste. I've never seen that second one open. I, I don't know. That's a whole nother thing, but Man, I remember going with like groups of friends in middle school and getting those little like chapsticks from like the vending machines in the women's bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I remember going like on Saturdays with my dad. That was a big thing. Like we would always go to the movies. They would have these like vending machines, not in the women's bathroom, but <laughs> like in the front near the concessions, there were these vending machines and you could get like, you know, the little toys and stuff, but they had these Disney figures. Um, and I think we've mentioned like my love of Disney on the pod before, but we actually have a collection of them still. My dad has them mm-hmm. lined all up on his computer space um, at his home currently. So still have those. Um, like I said, my first date was to this third Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Joe as we were walking down to our theater that I was very upset because I did not get my first kiss on that date. <laughs> so many memories. Rest in peace, the barn. Yeah. So I guess now that we're 20 minutes into the episode, we can <laughs> finally talk about possum. We should be able to blow through this one pretty quick. Hopefully. I'm honestly, I'm looking at my notes, and I feel like it's a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> Not me giving away my rating <laughs> up front <laughs> by being snarky about it. All right, so we get a voiceover in the opening of the film with maybe like a nursery rhyme talking about a possum. We later learn that this is like a poem that our main character has written, and it's a mm-hmm. re- recurring theme throughout the whole movie. It opens with a man, Philip, in the woods who has this like duffel bag, a leather duffel bag, and he puts it down in this kind of like alcove of trees. And the limbs of the trees are very, like, spindly, like, very spider-esque. Right. He puts the bag on the ground, and then something starts to crawl out, like a spider. Then the movie cuts. The bag is now on his bed, and it looks like he puts a cigarette in it. Yeah, I'm not sure what he threw in there. He kind of tucks something in the, in the bag. And then now he's on a train, and the bag's with him. And he looks very frumpy, and he kind of carries the bag away from his body like something is in it that he doesn't want to touch or deal with Mm -hmm. and there were some boys on the train and philip accuses one of them of maybe drawing him he was drawing in his notebook but he was also kind of looking at philip and the boy just kind of shrugs him off and goes off with his friends and philip gets off the train he then travels to a somewhat crappy looking house, which reminded me a lot of Girl on the Third Floor. Mm-hmm. It was just like very dilapidated. Yep. And it almost looked fake, like a video game background. Like I was Silent gonna, I got Silent Hill, like To me it looked like um a like set design on like a theater, like a play. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it did. So he leaves the bag in the middle of the floor of this like house. And there's this weird shot of orange and yellow balloons that comes out of nowhere, honestly, and it looks like they're becoming encompassed in this black smoke. And the house itself, honestly, looks like it has a lot of smoke damage. So I was thinking potentially it's like his childhood home. And he pulls a journal out from underneath the floorboards. And that actually has a drawing of a house on fire with a boy running away. Mm-hmm. He goes back downstairs, and the bag is now on a table in a different room, and he calls out for Maurice. Then he goes outside and opens the bag and is struggling with a bunch of spider legs. 
and he stuffs it into a barrel while a fox watches him, and then he goes to take the bag with him, and then thinks better of it and, like, drops it before leaving the house. Then there's a voiceover again about the bag being open, and I think it says something like, what's inside, man or spider? Philip wakes up in the same house with a bug crawling over his face, and there's a weird-looking puppet in bed with him. (laughs) And he has the bag again, and he goes downstairs, and he hesitates at the door where the bag had been moved the night before. And a man who is Maurice asks, "Um, are you going in? Do we see the puppet fully in this scene? I don't Mm, think we do, right? It was just the face? Just like the outline of of the face. And... Like you said, spider legs, it looked like. Just to give you a scope of this thing, each leg, I would say, is maybe three feet long. It's it's incredibly long. And just like this like put-together puppet, it's certainly something I have never seen before. Yeah, I'm not quite sure even how to describe like the face. It's almost like those... Um full face like white masks that you see at like spirit of halloween yeah uh later on in the movie we actually get to see the full puppet it's his face oh i didn't even yes that uh towards the end there's a scene where he's like holding it up and looking at it and if you look at the outline of his face and how his nose is shaped that's the same exact shape and outline of the mask Okay. So I don't know if he like made a like a mask of his face right. and then he used that for the for the puppet. That would make sense, like a mold of his face. Mhm. Yeah. Philip says no, he's not going in that room and he doesn't seem to be surprised by Maurice being there. Um I was kind of surprised by another person being in this house. <laughs> yeah. I guess um They have coffee together, and Maurice asks him, what is it? And Philip says, it's a puppet. The the dialogue in this movie is like, you really have to be paying attention, I feel like. Yeah. They don't say a lot, and the conversation is like so short and very abrupt. So he says that it's a puppet, and that he's planning on destroying it. And Maurice says that he'd like to see a demonstration on how the legs work before he kills it. And then Philip is like, you can't kill it. It's a puppet. So. Right. And it also looks like uh, Philip has lost a job recently. There's been some kind of scandal where he has been forced to, I guess, leave his home and move back in with Maurice. And we find out later that Maurice is his uncle and that, you know, Stepfather. It was his uncle. I thought it was a stepfather. Mm, I believe it's his uncle. Oh, okay. (laughs) I could have sworn I thought, okay, have the subtitles on for this movie for the love of God. Because they both, especially Maurice, has a really thick English accent. And like what you were saying, Devin, I... I feel like the script, every single word has a purpose. Like nothing is, is wasted in dialogue. And there's not terribly a lot of of dialogue in this movie. And it was pretty tough to like take notes and also follow along with every single 
thing that was being said and trying to figure out what it means. I felt like there was a double meaning for every single word in this movie. There are so many like metaphors and analogies in this movie. It was really hard to, <laughs> to keep track of everything. And the closest thing that I can compare it to is Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal. That's actually exactly what I thought of, which is funny because lots of spider imagery. Yeah, yeah. It was indeed his uncle, though. I just looked it up. Oh, okay. All right. I am wrong. You are correct. Point one, Devin. <laughs> so we see Philip in a park and he's smoking on a swing set and he gets up really suddenly and he sees spider legs kind of across the way. And mm -hmm. we're positioned, the camera is positioned where you see just like kind of the outline of these black legs and Philip on the swing set. Yeah. So like very interesting camera angles and just we're never really seeing like the whole puppet until later on. So it was just, it was creative how they just showed a little bit of it. Yep. Yeah. So he has the duffel bag again and he stuffs the spider into it and takes it into the woods and like dumps it and then he's on the beach he's smoking a cigarette and someone shouts philip out of frame and we don't see the other person mm -mm. but then all of a sudden we see the spider puppet again on the beach then it cuts we're back at the house philip asks maurice to borrow quote the tools and maurice asks if he's dismantling it and philip says in my own time yeah i don't know like literally just like the whole thing is clear from the get-go like metaphor of like carrying your trauma like your emotional baggage like he literally has a bag that is yeah. filled with his emotional baggage you know uh-huh um but, like, that line in particular, like Joe said, every time that they have a conversation, they're talking about one thing, but they're really talking about another. And, honestly, I feel like this movie might sit better with me on a second watch just so I can pick up more things. Or just, like, say what you mean. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I can appreciate metaphors, but not when it's the entire script I mean, like, literally everybody in this movie needs therapy, so <laughs> I doubt that they are going to say what they mean. <laughs> Philip says something to Maurice about him not being his father, and previously I thought Maurice maybe was his father. It was difficult because, like, I didn't even know Philip's name until I think, like, the previous scene when he's on the beach. That was the first time that I figured out Philip's name. Right. And that was maybe, like, 30 minutes into the film. Oh, yeah. And then, like you said, you didn't even know the relationship between Maurice and Philip. Like, I didn't know until, mm -hmm. I think, like, the end of the movie. Yeah, it wasn't very clear. It was so strange. Um, and we don't get, like, any more information about, like, Philip being disgraced from his job or, like, what the scandal was that sent him back home. Yeah, you just got little tidbits. Like, there was a scene where after he got off the train, he's heading down these stairs and there's these two like high schoolers or school boys or whatever and one of them looks up at him and says uh like you're you're a perv or or something like that so i got the idea that 
it was he got in trouble or accused of maybe uh like sexual abuse for a minor and i got the idea that he was a puppeteer and had a show with maybe kids on the show and i don't i don't know like it was very unclear for me or maybe i'm just not that intelligent to decipher all these hidden meanings you know so I did tell you the night that we watched this that I cheated before the movie was even over and I looked up some explanation. Uh, I can bring up something at the end if you try to remind me about his job and okay. being a puppeteer. Um, gotcha. Because okay. he does say that he's like following in his dad's footsteps basically by making puppets. And he says that he's, like, not very good at them. But Maurice says something to the effect of, like, oh, it runs in the family because your dad was a puppeteer. And right. um, you're obviously good at it. And he holds up, like, a puppet that he had previously made that was just, like, lying around. And that was also equally as creepy. Um, <laughs> but I have something that I stole from Reddit that I can bring up later about okay. the puppeteering. Sure. So Philip said to Maurice about him not being his father and Maurice seemed a little bit like salty about it. Maybe because he like spent his whole life raising him. I'm not sure. Philip is up in his room with the bag and he's watching TV and the news blips on and it talks about a boy who went missing on his way home from secondary school and his body was found in the woods. So potentially this is the boy that Philip saw on the train um, it was like heavily alluded to here, but we later find out that, that it was confirmed this was the boy that they found dead. Correct. And so you have like this suspicion about Philip, um, because he's he's like a creepy guy. Like he And the way they, they cut the beginning, it made it look like Philip got off the train and followed the boy on the train station. Yeah. And I don't even know how to ex like describe the setting. It's very like there's not a lot of people. It seems like a very poor part of the country, like a oh, coastal it's like rundown. English marshland. Yeah. Like it's like rainy and dreary all the time. Philip goes to scope out his old school, like where he went as a boy, mm -hmm. and he has the bag with him, like just his fucking duffel bag again. And the principal comes out and he's like, why are you here? Philip is like, oh, I used to go to school here. And then the principal is like, you need to move on. and Get Phil your funky ass out of here. Yeah. And Philip's <laughs> like, okay, we'll do. <laughs> do, 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 do. I don't know. It was a weird interaction. Yeah. Philip goes to the woods again with his bag and goes to that same little alcove in the trees where we saw in the very beginning of the film. He plops the bag there and... There's this insanely loud ringing noise as he goes to open the bag. And it was so annoying to my ears that I said out loud to Joe, I was like, this ringing needs to stop or I'm going to mute the movie. It's the ringing where in like a war movie, when a mortar shell goes off, you hear that real high pitched whistle and you don't hear anything else. And it's supposed to simulate the that like. Not tinnitus, but that deafness. Or have you ever had that physically happen to you in real life before? 
Uh, once at Cage the Elephant concert in Chicago. Oh, like after the concert? Yeah, when I took the train home. And you're like in that silence, like you've been in like yeah a loud environment for so long that it's so silent. Yeah, on on the train, you I I could feel my body go over the the tracks. Uh, heard nothing for a a while. It was just that like deaf, like you're in a I don't know empty silent chamber or something. Yeah, yeah. I had it. Um. When I got into a car crash with my oh yeah boyfriend at the time, and the airbags went off, and I've never like experienced anything like that. It was so it's freaky. Weird. Like it was literally like a bomb went off. It was so weird. Also, when a daughter screams, rain your ear. Ah, uh, yeah, that'll <laughs> do it. So he's about to open the bag, and then he hears someone call his name again, and then he just runs off with the bag. And now he's on a bridge in the middle of like bumfuck nowhere. And he chucks the bag over the bridge into the river and then runs off and like collapses to the ground. He's in a bunch of mud. And then there's this like loud heartbeat thumping, kind of like Jumanji. Then we get a shot of like this weird looking fetus puppet spider thing in the barrel from earlier in the film. I don't. No, I don't. I don't even know where I am in my notes. Like it's so. This movie is so repetitive. Like talk about a fever dream or like cyclical themes or imagery in a movie. Yeah. Like this is all of those things. Like we're in the same settings multiple times at multiple different points in the movie. It feels both sporadic, and the movie doesn't progress until you get to the like the third act. Yeah. He gets up and goes searching for the bag, it seems. Like, we don't actually know that he's searching for it. It just kind of seems like he is because he's looking around for the bag. And then we get interspersed images of a dark hallway with spider legs creeping around the hallway. He then finds the spider puppet mangled up in the mud where he was actually lying just moments before. And then he goes back to the room at his house and... He's got the puppet like hanging in his room and it's like almost as if it's hanging on a coat hook or something. Yeah. And just the legs are like dangling down and it's just so weird looking. (laughs) We get a lot of random imagery at this point. Him running through the woods, the bag, the black balloons, the bag again. Spider legs crawling around a corner. This club has everything. (laughs) Spider legs, people running through the forest. (laughs) (laughs) Philip wakes up the next morning and he's like face to face with the puppet. And this is the um, first time besides the shot before where the puppet was hanging on the wall. This is the first time that we see it like in full. Mm -hmm. Um, Maurice says, waking up, is it? Wants to get out. And he's referencing the puppet. Are we like literally just talking about suppressed trauma? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, that's that's what I got out of it. Philip looks consistently unsettled. <laughs> um, with good reason, I will add, knowing the ending of the film. But he's also very like childlike, which. 
also very appropriate given the ending of the film. Maurice asks Philip if he wants anything from this jar that's on a shelf in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And Philip says, what's in the jar? And Maurice says, the same as always. And Philip says, well, no, then I don't want any. And Maurice makes a comment about him being all grown up and then says, tell me again about the fox. And Philip looks <laughs> okay. visibly those, frightened. Those three sentences you just said there sums up the conversation. The, the whole, the no, movie. the whole movie. What's in the jar? What's the deal with the fox? Why doesn't he want the stuff in the jar? If you heard everything that Devin just said and you said to yourself, what? That's that's this movie. Yeah. Honestly. The bag, the puppet, the jar. What what was in the jar? Did we ever get an answer for that? Yeah, dude. We did? Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. It's gumballs. I'm really bad at this. Wait, there was just gumballs? Yeah. It made it seem like it was this jar with green liquid in these like they were green gumballs, but the jar was dirty. Like, there's a visible layer of, like, dirt. And filth on it? Yeah. Oh. Man. All right. <laughs> yep. So, Philip looks visibly frightened and, like, backs away. And I don't know if I didn't pay enough attention during this part, but, like, somebody on Reddit, when I was furiously trying to scramble together, like, some sort of understanding of this film... Someone pointed out that it was like the most gruesome description of animal cruelty they had ever heard. And I was like, honestly, it didn't, didn't really sound that bad to me, but maybe I got to take another listen. Like, Jesus. Right. Um. Anyway, so he tells a story about finding this fox in the marshes as a boy with some other um, quote unquote friends. I wouldn't really call them that. They thought it swallowed something because it was panting, and then it started jumping around like a bull. So I don't know, maybe it had rabies? That's what I was thinking. I mean, if it did, it doesn't make sense knowing the ending, but... Yeah. Anyway, he says that they stuck things in it until it was dead. Take that as you will. I don't know where they're sticking it. I don't know what things they stuck, so... Philip says the boys shoved his face into the dead fox, basically, and he lied there and cried. And after a while, the fox opened its eyes at him. So, I don't know. If it did have rabies, I don't know if that makes sense, knowing that, like, Philip got his face shoved into, the, like, the blood of the fox. Because he probably would have gotten rabies. How do rabies get passed on to people? I think it's like a bite. Like saliva or blood? You ever open up a new tab, type a whole sentence, look up at your screen and realize you didn't type a goddamn letter? (laughs) And now I have to type this all over again. Wajra looks that up. Uh, Maurice asks again if he's going into the shut room. And this room is like where the bag magically teleported in the very beginning. And then since that moment, the door to that room has been shut. And mm-hmm. there's been several times where Philip goes up to the door and, like, thinks about going in, but then doesn't. And now Maurice is like, are you going to go in there? And he's like, nope. That's the no-no room. Again, just, like, literally yeah. unprocessed trauma. Like, you going to process this trauma? Mm, nope. Not today. All right. Try again tomorrow. You know? Rabies update. 
Rabies virus is transmitted through direct contact, such as through broken skin or mucous membrane in the eyes, nose, or mouth with saliva or brain and nervous system tissue from an infected animal. People usually get rabies from the bite of a rabid animal. I feel like blood counts into that. I would think so. You, like, blink your eyes into a bloody flesh wound of a rabid fox. <laughs> well, that kind of reminds me of um, Brendan Gleeson's character mm-hmm. in 28 Days Later, where he looks up and there's, like, a crow. I've actually it... never seen that movie. How am I just learning this? You've never seen 28 Days Later? No, and you know what's funny? Because we actually had made plans to like watch it together when we were dating, and we never did. Oh my god. We have to watch it. It might be my favorite Danny Boyle movie. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, I Crow? Won't say, no, I won't say anything. Never mind. It's kind of a spoiler, a little bit. Okay. Honestly, I'd rather be talking about anything else. Well, then I'll tell you what. Now. Let's Let's cut to... Let's cut to the end. All right. Would you? Let me just, yeah. Let me, okay? I'll try to like. Because I don't think anything else. Let me speed run <laughs> through this. All right. I'll speed run through my notes. There's a spider. There's a bag. There's some balloons. <laughs> they're on fire. There's trees. There's running. <laughs> okay. Uh, Maurice mentioned these barracks and that they were going to demolish them. Philip goes to the barracks, he explores them, and then he like lifts up the spider puppet by the head and they just kind of look at each other. And I wrote in my notes, two best friends in a room, they might kiss. Because <laughs> it literally looks like he's he, gonna make out with this puppet. He was like looking at it longingly. Yeah, it was like Tess and that uh, infected person. Infected in, fungi in Last person. of Us. In Last the of show? Us. Yeah. Oh my god, that show is so good. I literally want to just be talking about Last of Us right now. We just watched episode three last night and oh <laughs> my god. Fried my fucking eyes out. <laughs> I literally <laughs> turned to Joe and I was like, he's gonna protect Ellie like he said in the letter. <laughs> I fucking love that show. Um okay. They don't kiss, he throws the puppet, he beats it, he stomps on it, he stuffs the puppet in a bag, literally throws it into an abandoned swimming pool at the barracks, and he literally stuffs his baggage deep, deep down when he's doing this. And then he heads back home, newspaper headline of the boy being abducted. Maurice is somewhere in the house reading the possum nursery rhyme thing out loud, and it seems like it's coming from Philip's personal journal, the one with the drawings that he hid under the floorboards. Mm-hmm. And uh, Philip says that it's the last time he's going to see him, but then Maurice is like, the train lines are down, and he's home for the holidays. And I don't know why I'm getting a transatlantic <laughs> accent. <laughs> the train oh, lines are down, you hear? He is home for the holidays. <laughs> um okay he opens the journal philip opens the journal and he like titled this little book how the possum came into the world and the first drawing that we see is the one from earlier with the burning house and the boy leaving and then it's the woods with the spidery tree and then it's a spider itself and then there's another drawing of a spider crawling on a boy's bed and now philip is at the train station looking confused as fuck as if maurice did not just tell him that the train lines were down Mm mm-hmm 
He takes out a photo of mom and dad from his cigarette case. We get an ominous zoom in of the door that's always closed at the house. He walks in the marshes, finds a dead fox. JK, the fox is upright and looking at him and not dead. Um, He comes home. The puppet's hanging in his bedroom again. There's a bug on it. Maurice is outside burning newspaper. And then Philip lugs the puppet out and he almost cradles it and then like stuffs it into the barrel um maurice points at the newspaper that he has though and he's like oh yeah missing boy that happened before if i'm remembering correctly uh your time after the fire meaning when you were a kid after the fire that killed your parents uh at your school and then maurice says he taught at philip's school and a colleague asked him to take care of the boys who tormented philip with the fox we don't really know what he means by take care of until the end of the movie so after philip stuffs the puppet into the barrel where the fire is maurice is like Stuffed them inside a bag didn't he wore a mask so that they couldn't see him i had no idea and then gives Philip a b- gumball and Philip's like crying and takes the gumball and then gags on it. So he's like alluding to that there was a killer on the loose when he was a boy that wore a mask, stuffed the kids inside of a bag. And like Maurice had no idea that he was dealing with that as a child and then like gives him a gumball, which was what was in the glass jar. Right. that. Joe was confused on earlier. But not anymore. This is an important scene, obviously. Um, Philip seems to be having a nightmare. It's just like literal like nightmare fuel of like balloons, smoke, puppet, etc. Um, gumballs, gagging. And then he wakes up and there's a police car outside with lights on and a cop knocking on the door. But Philip doesn't answer and the car just drives away. And then the next morning, Philip calls out for Maurice and he hears um, a TV click on upstairs and it's the news report talking about um, this missing kid and a weird dude was seen at the barracks, a.k.a. Philip. And then Maurice finds Philip rooting through the burn barrel looking for, I'm assuming, the puppet. And he says that the police came looking for him and... It was at this point that I shamefully Googled an explanation on the movie because I was becoming incessantly impatient of not knowing what the fuck was going on (laughs) and I needed to know. Um, So I spoiled myself for the ending of the movie, basically. Um, Maurice says he's going away for a while and Philip will have the place to himself. Philip goes to the school again. He has to see a teacher. He's very childlike in this scene. Um, He says that his former teacher, Mr. Grant, would know what happened and that the police, uh, he would go to the police with him, like his teacher would. And then he, like, bails on that plan and goes to the rooftop, sits down there, and there's black rain that falls from the sky. And then we get, like, a full-blown chase scene of the puppet being insanely creepy and hunting down Philip. And we finally see it, like, moving on its own. Um, yeah. Any comments on that? Anyway, let me just like blow through this. Just blow through it. I have I have stuff loaded right. up, but go ahead. He finally comes face to face with the puppet, and it seems like the puppet is kind of like comforting him because it kind of like puts a spider leg on his shoulder and is like, "They're there." Um, <laughs> then he wakes up on the ground and pops a gumball out of his mouth, and the photo of his parents is next to him. 
He's very sweaty and he's up in his room shouting for Maurice and he looks in the mirror and his head is a puppet head. Then he gets up and goes to the door, the door that has been closed. There's a bed, but not really a bed. It's just a bed frame leaning against the wall and some rags and blankets on the ground. And there's a jar, uh, a glass jar with teeth in it that Phillips picks up and looks at. And the whole room is like moldy and deteriorating. Mm -hmm. And then Maurice jumps out from the corner wearing all black and a black hood literally like jumps him and then like gets him down on the ground and is like straddling him. And he asks if Philip came into the room looking for his mom and dad. Uh, he calls him a filthy boy and scolds him for playing with the dead. And uh, <laughs> he's like, did you miss uncle Maurice and his fingers? And asks him to open his mouth, and then yeah. he just shoves his fingers in his cue, mouth. Cue the gross out. Uh, yeah, and uh, so he gags on his fingers. Uh, Maurice pulls down his pants and whips him with his belt. Luckily, I thought that this was going in a different direction, and I was <laughs> yeah, me too. I was very. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever say these words again, but I was very pleased to see that he was just whipping him with his belt and not something else. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, I, I literally. Was I was clenching. I was like, oh shit, we're going to head in that direction. Yeah, everybody clenched our buttholes at this point. Pure clench. In my notes, I said, I definitely felt the ick, and I'm very grateful that we did not have to watch a rape scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Philip sees a box in the corner that starts moving, and then he gets on top of his uncle. He like straddles him, and there's this broken edge to the floorboards that leads to like nothing. I don't. Like, there's just, like, the floor is broken in the middle of the room. Like, there's a hole that, like, leads to, I don't know, the basement. Uh, that's what I assumed. It, it kind of looked like, like there was maybe, a like, a burnt room down there. Yeah, there's just, like, a jagged edge to the floorboard. So, mm-hmm. um, he literally just, like, snaps his uncle's neck as he's laughing, as Maurice is laughing, not Philip. And then Philip opens the trunk in the corner, and out pops the missing boy, and he's let out, and then... Philip goes and sits outside, and the movie ends. Lot to unpack here. Oh my god! Yep. Okay. Actually, you running through this, I just dropped my score half a point. <laughs> oh. Okay, so the puppeteer thing. Yeah. I will say that these opinions, I'm picking and choosing basically from a bunch of different like Reddit theories. Okay. So let's hear it. they are not solely my own. And I do not have credit for the usernames, but I just wanted to put it out there that a lot of this came from just like theories on Reddit. So because if they I was suck, like, they're not yours. Uh, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. So the puppeteer thing, Maurice is like using Philip as his puppet, right? So like he's murdering these kids. If Philip sees something or like any time that he sexually assaults Philip, like he's physically using him as a puppet not just mentally but like Mm -hmm. physically assaulting him and then he like pops a gumball in his mouth and he's like don't tell anybody about this so he's like literally using like philip as a puppet Hmm. and he says puppeteering runs in the family so like you're wondering did is maurice the older brother did maurice sexually assault his brother as a child like has this been a lifelong thing Um, has he been abusing his brother and that's what he means by it runs in the family 
Um, because basically the theory that I read was that like the puppeteering thing is basically just another metaphor. Yeah. That it's not actually his profession. It's just that he has been used as a puppet his entire life. And that's literally his job, quote unquote. Oh. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I like that theory. Yeah. That's more, I can understand that more than what the hell we watched. I I wish that I had waited until the end of the movie. I I should have just like given it a shot, but I was so completely lost. Yeah. During the whole thing that like I couldn't watch another minute of it like not knowing like it, it was so hard to even write notes while I was watching I it because it I was felt, like I don't know what's going on. It felt like it was an enigma wrapped in a metaphor dipped in like analogies it was, it was like weird a like simultaneously cake pop nothing was happening and like a lot of shit was happening at the same time right like i understood what they were trying to to go for i just think it was it could have been executed better i guess yeah but i like it's just like everything's leading up to that last scene where it's like oh the uncle did it and then it's like right the key to unlocking the entire movie but it felt almost like a letdown mm. it felt like a waste like that was like the key scene like right that was the climax and like the climax of the film was like literally the last scene Right. Where, like, I feel like usually the climax comes in, like, I mean, it comes in the third act, but, like... But not, like, literally the last scene. Yeah. Yeah. So it felt like... You need to come down from the climax. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah. No, I I get what you're saying. I kind of wish the movie was about the relationship between Philip and the puppet itself. Mm. My favorite parts of the movie were him interacting with the puppet like when he almost kissed it oh, yeah. yeah uh but like first of all this puppet was fucking creepy as hell i honestly i have never seen because usually when you think of puppets and dolls you think of like annabelle or whatever yeah but this thing i wonder if i can find a picture and i'll throw it on our twitter it's literally a mask with like legs attached to it, like spider legs. Yeah. But it crawling around in those quick shots or it's like spider legs like wrapping around the corner was very unsettling. And I was like, ooh, okay. Can I, I can- be honest? Yes. I didn't give a shit about this puppet. And like it didn't it didn't scare me at all. Oh yeah? Okay. Yeah. Like we I watched a TikTok and I think that you sent it to me about this movie and it was like this girl on TikTok, um, yeah. I don't know if she's like going viral or if it's I'm just seeing her on my for you page because like I consistently like her videos, but she's like, Oh, I'm gonna go through and like watch all like the most disturbing and like fucked up movies that like you guys recommend or that I can find online. And when I think like disturbing fucked up movies, I'm thinking of like cannibal holocaust or like that that um that image of like the iceberg where there's like Oh. literally like illegal movies that you can't even find online <laughs> yeah, like you have to go bottom. to the fucking dark web or something to find them that right. those are the movies that come to mind of like most disturbing and fucked up yeah this and comes she, w- nowhere near I, i've yeah. seen this movie 
everywhere but recently. But she was terrified, like, watching this. She was, like, absolutely terrified. And I was like, oh, shit, like, okay. But I was, I was going to say, like, I feel like it's kind of, like, the mood that you're in when you watch a movie. Like, I sat down, we, we put it on, and I was like, honestly, I think it's going to take a lot to scare me right now. Like, I, right. I didn't feel in the mood I guess like to be scared yeah I get that like I was like it's gonna take something really scary to like get to me right now Uh, yeah I think the puppet made me jump one time but it was only because it came like accompanied with like um like a creepy jump scare sound you know it wasn't actually the puppet that was scaring me it was more of like the abrupt like jump scare part of it yeah I I feel I get that can I just say too that I feel like my review of Possum is um that TikTok sound from Family Guy where Peter goes, Before we all die, I need to tell you something. <laughs> I did not care for the Godfather. <laughs> and everybody's like, Why do you why didn't you like it? It's the Godfather. And he's like, It insists upon itself. It insists yeah. upon itself, Lois. <laughs> That's how I feel about this movie. It, in, it, it insists upon itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally get where you're coming from. There's uh, the other thing, too, that bugged me was I felt like in my notes I have why are the barracks important? For some reason in my head, I had it that it was way more important than it actually was. So I think that's where Maurice dumped the bodies. Okay. Because it felt like there was some buildup there, and then we were at the barracks for like two minutes, and that's it. And then he did this like office space, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, destruction montage on this puppet. Puppet, and I don't know. I felt like it was more important, or I thought it was going to be more important than it actually was. But I was clearly you picked up on a lot of things on this movie and understood more things than I did. And yeah, granted, you did cheat, research, but that extracurricular still that's research. okay. I don't know. I I kept wanting to view this as a more literal movie, and it just it just wasn't. I will say, Philip had very Evan Peters, Jeffrey Dahmer vibes, like towards the beginning of Dahmer show. Very introvert and to himself, and you can clearly see that something's off. He's tormented. Um. So the guy who plays Philip, his name is Sean Harris. And as much as we're ragging on this movie, he's a phenomenal actor. I don't see him a lot, but the stuff that he is in, he gives 110%. Yeah, that, uh, his acting in this was phenomenal. So he plays Solomon Lane in Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh. And you are going to shit your pants when you hear this. Ready? He is the guy who's all scarred up and deliver us from evil, who they capture. What? Oh, yep. yeah. Yep. So I feel like if he is given these opportunities, I feel like he could be, he could be like a Christian Bale, just super all out actor. And I'm very eager to see him in, in more stuff, you know? Yeah. He was very good. And like, like I said, like nothing against like the acting at all. I feel like it was. Yeah. And Maurice was fucking creepy too. Yeah. Cause okay. When I first was introduced to him, 
I thought he was a ghost. Not a ghost, but Philip was talking to someone who was not there. Because they only showed Maurice like in the house or on the grounds. So yeah. I thought maybe he was... I think that you could take it that way as well. Like there's a, a bunch of different ways that you could take this movie. Like maybe Philip is um, murdering kids on his own. Mm-hmm. Like maybe he's like kind of transferred that trauma internally and now he is a murderer. Like maybe that boy, like maybe he locked up that boy. Right. Um, and Maurice is just like a figment of his imagination. I actually thought in the middle of the movie that the boy who went missing, whose body was found, I thought that maybe that was Philip as a child. They have different names. Oh, okay. Because I think it talks about him like running away or something. Like Mm -hmm. he ran away. So I don't know. That's another way to read it. I could see that. Him killing Maurice is not closure, but kind of the ending that he needed to set himself free, I guess. Right. And then setting himself free, letting the boy out of the box at the end. Yeah. Like kind of processing. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I don't know. So I feel like there's a million different ways that you could take this, but. Yeah. Slow burn. This movie was very, very slow. I was actually talking with um, uh, a friend in my book club, and I said that this movie feels as slow as the others with Nicole Kidman that we watched last year. Um, Also Welsh countryside. Yeah, that's true. The ending on the others had a better payoff than the ending for Possum. And uh, when he told me that, I I had to think about it, and I I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you want a slow burn with metaphors out the ass, I would definitely recommend Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal. And uh, actually, Chris Stuckman on YouTube has a really, really good, like, film essay breakdown on Enemy that you you can get a much better understanding of that movie. If you're in the mood for something that you really need to think (laughs) while you watch, which for me is usually the opposite. I usually just turn my brain off when I watch. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, like, wasn't in the mood for, like... A cerebral thinking about something when we watch this (laughs) right you know yeah they're not all gonna be winners no and a lot of people thought that this was insanely creepy and like i don't know that puppet didn't do anything for me Uh, i mean if you're scared of spiders i you will probably be scared of this yeah unsettled at least yeah but you will I feel like it is an uncomfortable movie to watch. Even just like the setting of like the house, like it's all like it's just like gross looking. Oh yeah, the atmosphere. Like you literally just like want to be away from the movie. Like it feels icky. Yeah, the whole movie feels grimy. Yeah, w- with good reason mm-hmm. too. Uh, what are you gonna give this one? Mm, three out of ten. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. Oh, okay. Clickety-clack. Update the spreadsheet. Erica from Horror Cafe Podcast suggested that we get a letterboxed. And I thought that was a great idea. Oh, yeah. I, I have a personal one. I know you, you don't. I've had mine for 
ever. Yeah, we can make one for partners, though. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. I can do that. Cool. Thank you, Erica. Any closing thoughts? Yes. Never pee in the wind and always splurge on shoes, toilet paper, and a pillow. I have spoken. No further questions. <laughs> All right. Uh, you guys can find us on Instagram at Partners and Freight Podcast and on Twitter at Freight Partners. If you guys gave us a review, we would really love that on Apple or Spotify. And you can catch us next week when we review my pick. And always, we are open to comments and suggestions. If you guys want to send us, I don't know, your your list of fears, your blood type, your oh social God. security Shut numbers. Up. <laughs> we would greatly appreciate that. And I think that's about it. Until next time. All right. We'll see you guys next week.